0: Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we like to think of ourselves as the shot of cheap whiskey you pour into your Starbucks cup to make it your Irish coffee. <laughs> I'm Al Mancini with Rich Johnson producing the show. As always, we are coming to you for this episode from RERA, which will undoubtedly be ground zero for many St. Patrick's Day celebrations. RERA's Scott Sherman and Wally Lang will be joining us shortly to answer all of our St. Paddy's Day questions. But before we get to that, it's been a busy week in Las (laughs) Vegas, and it's time to bring you up to date on what you may have missed, but we didn't because we're everywhere.
1: Oh, yeah. I went to the race. I went to the NASCAR race. I've been a NASCAR fan for about 15 years. It was never part of my growing up. I Not saw a your at all. Facebook
0: pages, a lot of cars going fast yeah. and turning left. Right? And they do turn, they turn left, left and... or right?
1: They turn, left, they turn in, left in Las Vegas. There are road courses yeah. where they do a lot of right turns, too. Go up to Wine Country in Sonoma in a few weeks, and you can watch a road course But race. not.
0: But a road course race. Okay, that's, yeah, let's clear this up right off yeah. the bat. Because, you know, I I told you once, I got to drive, like, the world's fastest car at the time. It was a Whoa. Koenigsegg, and it was amazing. And they told me that I was going to get to drive it out on the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And this thing had top speed of, like, 260 miles an hour. Yeah. And I thought I'd be able to open it up on that big oval, oh, right? Oh, no, and they I, had they, a little parking lot on one of the Le Mans tracks, which has yeah, yeah. Those, like literally over 180 degree turn and that kind of shit. Yeah, hairpin. And I never got the damn thing up very fast. No. But the races you go to are the big oval race, The big oval right?
1: race, it's a mile and a half track. The thing I like about that is they go fast. They go 180 miles an hour or plus. Mm-hmm. But as I say, there's more car than track. And so the skill of those drivers is to go around those turns as fast as you can, just this close away from wrecking. And yeah. every now and then you see a guy all by himself just spin out because he lost it. Wow, I remember the um, just some bad Tom Cruise movie I
0: watched about Days Matt of Carter Thunder. Is. Yeah, that That's was about uh, all I ever learned about. There's that a
1: lot sport. of the, 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 there's a lot of mixed feelings still here, 20 plus years later about that movie in the NASCAR community. I know a couple of people who actually were in it for a, for a second or two in in extra shots, and and they love that NASCAR got the the uh, publicity, even though. The uh, they took a lot of liberties with the reality and even the physics of driving a race car. Yeah. It, wow. The,
0: imagine that Hollywood. Yeah. Doing who a knew? Drama with Tom Cruise, and it was not really accurate. Anyway, I, I'm I, told that the Vampire of the Stot was nothing like his character yeah, either. Um, so, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, he only goes for old positive. <laughs> right. Okay. So how I, was the food, man? I mixed feelings about the food. Again, there were some wonderful. Uh, carts there, some some big trucks doing barbecue, doing huge hunks of cow on a, on open fire and turkey legs and, and uh, onions and peppers on the flat top, uh, all that stuff. And every time I wanted to go get some, there was no less than 50 and maybe even 100 people in line. And I just could not stand there for 40 minutes to get my food. I did see some other things. The one thing I did have, Evil Pie. Evil Pie. They had two locations, one in the infield, uh, one uh, outside the track. I uh, had a nice piece that I thought was going to be a little dry for sitting under that warmer, but it turned out to still be just great. Were they pouring any fuck-putin shots? Uh, not there, no. No? They didn't okay. have the alcohol license there. Plenty of other folks do. Um, and there, I saw a, uh, a a stand featuring healthy bowls of rice and meat fronted by Robert Irvine, his uh, picture up there. Oh,
0: I was going to ask, was Robert there or was his picture there? <laughs> his
1: picture was there, and that was about it. I didn't see anybody buying that stuff. Wow. He was at the one far end. There was also a healthy food place called Melissa's that had a stand in the infield. And uh, again, no takers there either. Health food and NASCAR are not. Now, I don't
0: want to stereotype people based on whatever sport they are into because clearly Las Vegas has shown that um, our sports are not necessarily the stereotypes of what people expect from them. But that being said, I would never associate health food with the NASCAR event.
1: The NASCAR fans, the drivers are healthy as can be, those guys are athletes. And don't let anybody tell you any different. I would not in any way diminish their athleticism yeah. or their ability to, to, pee in a
0: cup, right? <laughs> at, at really quick speed.
1: Oh yeah, you've got That's, you've got to yeah. be there. Those, those, you know, you go 180 miles an hour, literally six inches from the car next to you. You gotta have all your wits about it. No,
0: I mean, it's just, it's insane. Like I said, I've driven super fast. My my wife has driven cars around the oval. She's driven Indy cars and she's great at it. And she's like, was the fastest person in her class. And (laughs) she seems, but for me again, I drove that Koenigsegg and I was terrified the entire time. And I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a just wide open on the freeway with nobody around me. I go really, really fast, but I could not imagine what they do and God bless them. Plus it, it all grew from moonshine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I love them
1: for that. Outrunning the cops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The other uh, great thing I did this week was uh, I gave a little love for the ethnic grocery stores. You know, we all love hitting the Asian places on Spring Mountain. Mm -hmm. I went to uh, one of the uh, many La Bonita locations, the one on West Cheyenne, uh, looking for dried New Mexico peppers to go into a pork stew that we did yesterday. But we let it sit for a day and we're having it tonight as we record this. I I love checking those butcher shops. You know, like you go to an auto parts store and you can go get enough parts and build your own auto? Mm-hmm. You can go there and get enough parts and build your own cow. Build a cow, or, go or a pig. home, yeah. get all Dr. Frankenstein-y on it and <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah. So I did one thing. I was going to bring it and I, I missed it. The one thing that was a little, talk about bargain prices, a little container of about a quarter ounce of saffron, or so it mm. says. Price? So it says. There is there's I've I've heard about art of counterfeit saffron out
0: there. I've yeah, this was 99 cents.
1: Okay. <laughs> not $99 like it would be at uh, at a, at a place. So it's not really the thistles and all that. It's, mm-hmm. it's 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 a Mexican saffron plant, but but still if it's got some flavor I'll I'll, I'll find a place for it.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, that brings us to a bit of news for the week, since um, La Bonita's Ogden Avenue location near downtown Las Vegas was shut down earlier this week after a fire there on Sunday. According to our friends at local Fox 5 News, crews from Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, and Clark County Fire Departments responded to the market on Ogden Avenue near Eastern around 11 a.m. Sunday. Fire crews said the fire started in the produce section of the store before thick black smoke filled the store um it reportedly took less than five minutes to put out the bulk of the fire nobody was injured but this comes after an awning collapse forced the closure of la bonita's on desert inn last summer so um rich is it safe to assume you had nothing to do with either incident and you and joanna are both safe and sound i have nothing for you on that we were on cheyenne (laughs) okay so you're all fine (laughs) yeah other things that we did this week i paid a visit to anima by edo anima anima and a anyway, I M A by EDO. This my second visit to the EDO team's brand new Italian influence concept in the Gramercy. Sue so and I kind of showed up. Just said, hey, do you want to leave the house? So Gramercy's right around the corner. Yeah, we're not, we don't want to go far. We don't want to go to the strip. We'll go over. We'll see if we can get in. They seated us at the chef's counter, which was awesome. Nice. I love that they have a little chef's counter there where you can watch them, him prepare your food. Um, we did um, Vitello Tonato which the tuna capers there uh, the, the yeah tuna and the capers were done in a tuna caper mousse Ooh. there's a there's a lot of almost molecular gastronomy aspects to what they're doing over at anima and i like it a lot we had a sea urchin risotto um a t- t- little brinier than i like oh. my sea urchin to taste usually it tasted almost like summery sea urchin was it hunks deep. in there or was it like, you yeah, all it was blended all, in it was all blended in i mean oh. there, there were a little bit but you kind yeah. of stirred it all together it got all together um I, you know, I always make this argument and some chefs disagree with me vehemently on this. I have read experts who agree that when you get Santa Barbara sea urchin, it's better in the cold weather months. It doesn't have as much brininess to it. This tasted like summer sea urchin to me, but Sue came up with, she was like, yeah, it's a little too briny. What if we asked for a little bit of salt? And we threw a little bit of salt on it, cut through that. And it was at that point a perfect dish. Wow. So I really did enjoy that. Um, I know, no, I'm getting in the weeds of got a food damn nerd damn shit fine there. You fine palate there, but. um We had some Cacio a e Pepe croquetas, and we had some Peruvian scallop crudo. Now, check this out again. Rhubarb ponzu, creme fraiche, and calyx caviar. Hmm. Rich, do you know what? Uh, you're a resident Scandinavian expert. Do you know what calyx
1: caviar I, is? I do not. If it's not white and been boiled for 20 minutes <laughs> like my grandmother in Boston did, I don't know from it. <laughs> oh, okay, I had to look
0: it up. It's actually Swedish. It comes from a fish yeah. called the vendace. vendas. Um, it's apparently a favorite item at Swedish royal dinners and Nobel Prize ceremonies, neither of which I have ever been invited to. So, thankfully, there's Anima. So, again, though, I mean, I'm just, I'm bringing this up because these are not ingredients you see everywhere. Certainly not in the, um, yeah. you know, in the bend of the 215. You're not really expecting to find that at the Gramercy. And then the knockout dish, uh, although I will say that scallop crudo that I just described to you, that is the photogenic dish of the yeah. deal. And if you look on, on the... Um, the social media accounts, you'll see that picture. They're in the scallop shells. It's this orangey caviar on top. It's just beautiful. The red of the shell. I mean, just gorgeous dish. And it was also delicious. But food-wise, their eggplant parm was a game changer. Really, a molecular gastronomy, maybe kind of a little bit of an avant-garde take on what you expect from eggplant parm. Came with a parmigiano espuma tomato powder and a basil crisp. So it's almost as if they, I want to say deconstructed, but it's almost like they over constructed (laughs) the flavors of an eggplant parm and gave them back to you in a way that is just mind blowing. One of the most exciting dishes I've had in months. Um, I'd love to put it up against James Tree's eggplant parm from Osolito Posto. Do a little battle of the eggplant parms. (laughs) Um, Totally different dishes, of course, done in very different manners. But, wow, Anima is just knocking it out of the park. And if you haven't been in there yet, go. That, of course, means I won't be able to walk in if all you people start going. Yeah. But I I loved it. Crossway Bear. Yes, Sue and I also paid a visit to the Pepper Room, and that is of course in the English Hotel, Todd English's new restaurant concept in his Arts District Hotel. We were there between lunch and dinner, so it was a limited menu, but still extremely interesting. Um, We ordered up a sushi and sashimi omakase tasting, and it was fantastic, just a great sushi sashimi platter, nothing mind-blowing other than the quality of that. But we had some other dishes. We had, um, Todd, actually, Chef Todd brought us over some of his um, spicy tuna on crispy rice. It's a great dish. I love it. It's kind of a go-to comfort food dish for me. He just brought us two pieces. But what was intriguing about that is he put a little coconut milk into the rice when he cooked it. So that just kind of yeah. really transformed that dish in a little way. So I, I loved that. And then probably the weirdest dish I've had, he brought us midnight tempura. I don't I don't even think we ordered that. I think the chef sent it out to us cuz he really wanted us to see it. He basically they put squid ink into the tempura mix. So this is a jet black tempura that comes The batter to the table. is that the covers batter is it all. Right, yeah, that wow. covers it all. Um, and then they flake gold leaf on it. Now we had it Ooh. in the middle of the afternoon. I took some pictures for social media. A lot of people are like, that's an ugly fucking dish. That's an ugly dish. I will grant you that maybe during the bright daytime hours, it's not the prettiest looking dish, but I think that that place is of course going to be very hopping at night. Um, They've got it, you know, they get a DJ in there. They have live music. The English hotels right in the arts district. And I think that dish will really pop when you're kind of in nightlife hours, as far as visually. So um, I'm withholding judgment on what it looks like. It tasted great. I like the salinity that the squid ink added to that batter it was just a tiny little bit of a taste but you could definitely get it there so um i was kind of knocked out by that as well so as far as there you go that's the week uh coming up i caught up with bobby flay while he was in town opening a new burger joint i'll have that conversation in the news but first it's time to get irish this is food and loathing And we are back at the parlor room in Rira Las Vegas in Mandalay Place um, for our Saint Paddy's Day episode. It is Saint Paddy's Day with the right? Paddy's Day, yes. be D. D. Y.
2: Yes, it and would not be T T.
0: No. And
1: don't don't forget the apostrophe too. Oh yes. Patty owns it.
0: Right. I've been yelled at that for that. Like, I mean, 20, 30 years ago, I think I said St. Patty's Day. Oh, yeah. It's not Hamburger Day. (laughs) The voices chiming in here are our resident experts on all things Irish. We have Scott Sherman, managing partner of RERA, and we have Wally Lang, lead barman at RERA. I have known you guys for so long. You've assisted me on so many projects over the years, which I've generally fucked up, but I love that... (laughs) (laughs) our our relationship was born out of me doing a great mea culpa i I don't know if you recall this but many many years ago i had an embarrassing situation with bono of youtube and I asked him to recommend a good Irish bar in Las Vegas, and he turned around in front of a room full of people and asked me to recommend one. I wasn't expecting that, and I, I singed, and I said, Crown of Crown and Anchor, and um, Bono just tore me a new one. And, <laughs> Roasted but, you. Yes, because of course, Crown and Anchor would be an English pub. And, yeah. Um, And I felt like such a dick about it that at the time I had a web TV show that I, you know, rather than running away from my own embarrassing moments, I kind of embraced (laughs) them and that way nobody can ever pull them out against me. So I invited, Scott came on, right? I did. My old web TV show and we we did the whole rundown of all things Irish. And then in in the many years since, Wally has tried to teach me how to pour a perfect pint many times. Mm -hmm. I was there for that. You did very well. Uh, Maybe during the practice, but never in the competitions (laughs) that I was training for. Oh, my. They were always a mess. But so, yeah, it seems like every year around this time I come back. Now, sometimes it's positive. I've. I've highlighted your chefs. Yes, you have. Done things. and so, But usually it's about me being a fool. You shaved your things head. Uh, oh, I yeah. shaved my head he here, yes, mm-hmm. which is great. For St. Baldrick's. St. Baldrick's Day, that's right. Rick Moonen shaved my head in this very building. He did. Right on that stage that I can <laughs> see from here. So, yeah, I have a great relationship. This place has a great history in Las Vegas. Let's start there. How long have you been in Las Vegas with Rera?
2: Well, basically we opened, what, 11 years ago? Yeah. Uh, and the official opening date was... Uh soft opening was March 8th, 2011, and our uh, grand opening was March 17th, 2011. So we're almost at 11 years.
0: Wow. Well, yes. Yeah. So on St. Patrick's Day, that will be 11 years. It will be. Grand opening. Officially. Well, cool. And that's got to be the biggest day of the year for you, or no? Or just like March Madness bigger, or something like that, or Super Bowl weekend? We're
3: fortunate that March Madness tends to fall on Same St. Week. Patrick's Day and, and the week of. So that's that's been brilliant over the years. Yeah. Uh, because, obviously, in Vegas, uh, the, it's, a, it's a huge turnout. Yeah. And it's it's wonderful to have so many yeah. excited people in town and then throw a, a, f- a Festivus day like St. Patrick's Day <laughs> right in the middle of exactly. it. And y- you have a good time. A lot of memories are made. Uh-huh.
0: And this is a bar that stays open late. For a place in a casino, you know, everybody thinks that Las Vegas is a 24-hour town. It certainly is. You could drink 24 hours oh, yes. a day and do mm-hmm. lots of other things, fun things, 24 <laughs> hours a day here. But the, the name brand, the marquee places that people are familiar with tend to close at yeah. reasonable hours. It's fine to, it's hard to find a place that's open after midnight, but you guys are always open after midnight. Oh, yes. We are. Serving food. And you've been known to go 24 hours at oh, yes. times. And we're actually
2: doing 24 hours this Saturday for the Black Donnelly's World Record. Re- world Record?
0: Yeah, it's a
3: mandolin performance world record <laughs> for, for the Guinness Book of World Records. 36 hours is his target. He's going to start on Saturday, and he's going to play through the night into
1: Sunday. You guys are sort of the home of world record yeah. music. Yeah. Yeah. You've got we a few, right? It. And most yeah. of it has to do with Irish music, too. Right? Well, we have yes. one. Where they
0: chopped off your heads, and they <laughs> stole your children, right? If you believe Dennis, Dennis theory, Lewis. would say. Exactly. Yes.
3: <laughs>
4: For sure.
0: Um, well, that's cool. So that's this weekend. So you'll be going all night. If yep. People want to party late. This would be the place to come. What time are you normally open to on weekends
2: so well right now we're open till uh the kitchen's open to 12 pub will be open to about one o'clock uh pre-covid it was about three in the morning okay you're we'll get, get back, back there. there. Yeah, we'll get back there this year at some stage.
0: I should also throw a shout-out to my friend um, Dirk Verman. This is, like, one of <laughs> yeah. his bars. We love Dirk. Dirk loves it here. He was just
2: in, actually. I haven't seen him in about six weeks, and he was in uh, this weekend, yeah. actually.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, I'm looking to get a new tattoo. I want to get my new um, Neon Feast logo. I'm thinking of getting it right here on the nice. Nest. Well, I'm, So I think I might ask Dirk to do that I'm
2: going to plug it. Do you know Dirk's da- daughter is now... Uh, doing the art. Yeah. yeah, Really? She just yeah. finished her training and she's just starting to do it. That's
0: yeah. cool.
3: Dirk has always... She did been... a nice one for me. Right. Oh, that's a cool flower. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, Dirk has always been my go-to guy. I feel like I drag him out of retirement every time yeah. or something. That I'm that sure like, he'll come out of retirement like for you. It's like way too small for him. Like when I got the kanji symbols on the back of my head, right? It was sort of like... Dirk, I want to get kanji, and you know, like, I mean, you could just hear the eyes roll over the phone, or over the text, <laughs> right? like, I know that you don't do kanji, but it's on my fucking head, and I want somebody good to do it, so he came out, and he did that for me, and um, yeah, he's done a lot, so I'm going to see if maybe him, but maybe his daughter will do it, but I want to yeah, get Tiger that. Yeah, Lily's great. That neon she, feast
2: flame yeah.
0: right here. I've always wanted a neck tattoo. Brilliant.
2: So. Yeah, he actually did uh, some of, when he had the show on TV, he did a few filming here. Real. In this particular room, actually.
0: Very cool. Yep. And you have a lot of cool rooms here. Um, let's give the rundown because I feel like. I'm surprised you've only been here 11 years. I feel like you've been here as long as I've been in Vegas, <laughs> which is 20 and there's, you know, this is a Las Vegas institution. I was just reading uh, your neon feast entry and there's so many things that people say about this place that newcomers don't realize. Like a lot of this bar was was assembled from materials from <laughs> Ireland. You have a lot of really big rooms that people don't see here. It's massive. You have the bordello room, I think, yep. in the back, the part mm-hmm. of the room that we're sitting in right now. Um, what's the story on RERA? This is a chain, but it's... It's kind of a a very family-run chain, right? And there's a lot of attachment to Ireland, a lot of of servers, et cetera, who were born in Ireland working here. Am I correct on that? Correct.
2: So it started off basically our founding partners were actually friends in uh, Dublin, and uh, they were high school friends. And they both went off to college. They still were friendly. And then eventually they kind of ended up both working for Guinness in different aspects of Guinness, uh, and they did that Looked for a bar for, for about three months in Charlotte, North Carolina. Did, couldn't find the proper bar to drink at, so they said, screw it, we'll just build one. And that's how we started <laughs> as a company. Eh? And to be honest with you, we really only have about five RERA operating. We're very particular in the cities we want to be in. And what other cities? So we're in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're in Portland, Maine, Burlington, Vermont. Uh, and then we have uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey. And now in addition to that, we have another pub called Keegan's Irish Pub in Virginia. And we actually, obviously, have some pubs in Ireland, in Dublin. So we have two pubs that surround city center Dublin.
0: And what is the roots of the attachment of some of the things you'll see in this room here in Mandalay Place that that actually originated in Ireland?
2: Sure. When you walk in, that's probably the biggest piece we have. So that was in Kieran Sheehan's family. He's one of our partners. And it was in his family for about 80 years. It was in West Cork, Timaleek, and it was called Foley's when it was operating. And it was around for about 80 years. And then he's an architect by trade. And, this uh, is the
1: bar you're talking about. Correct. Yes. The first
2: bar where you walked okay. in. And uh, it's a shop bar, and it's attached to something. So the reason it landed in Las Vegas is when it was operating, it was attached to horse betting right next door. So you'd go bet, and you'd come to the pub and watch the, the horse racing and drink. Okay. So we said, what We'd a better place that to have right it. right here. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> yeah. only thing we did was kind of darken the wood for American standards because Americans think that the dark it should be darker, mm-hmm. when technically that's kind of not the truth in some of the Irish bars. But uh, that's the main. But how you see that bar now, with the exception of the color, is exactly how you'd see it in West Cork, Tim
3: Yeah, there's Let actually me... pictures of when that bar was in action in Tim that are hanging in that shot bar.
1: That leads to a, a question a lot of folks will ask, and maybe they want to put a wrap on this place or other American Irish bars. The perception sure. versus the reality. How mm-hmm. much of this is what you would find in Ireland versus how much is, of it is what Americans think it should be here
2: absolutely so we brought the design so basically the design that you see here this is everything here is from ireland for the most part so the floor in the main victorian bar was actually from the hollywood wolf shipyard that is in belfast they built the titanic and then shipped it over to finishing over in england uh the floor is actually from the architect's office pays yeah pays homage to one of caron sheehan's family which then comes from the front pub so what I like about this pub and how it's designed is when an American comes in, they're like, this looks great. It's an Irish pub. When I get an Irish or English in the building, they're like, I feel like I'm home. Nice. It's exactly how you'd see a pub in England or Ireland.
0: All of that begs the question of what's it like to come from Ireland and then come to America and see a St. Patrick's Day celebration? <laughs> um, I mean, are you just like, what the Amateurs. fuck are you people attributing to us? Or? Well, I've got some
2: of my <laughs> Irish staff on that could probably answer that yes. a little bit better. Yeah.
3: Yes, um, it, it's quite the festival in Ireland, and and quite the. Um,
2: yeah, it's more well, of a holiday. I,
3: it's it's a holiday. Yeah. It's a remembrance. It's a, a come together moment, not just uh, for humanity, but as a as as a, a nation, as mm. as people. So
0: it's not just all about the drunkenness. It's no, not it's all turning about turning into yeah. that more. <laughs> well, God, is, but, the yeah. Americans because, yeah, have yeah. enough. A lot of you guys. tourists
3: do like to travel to Ireland yeah. now and see what it's like, and then they get caught up in the revelry and. Yeah. Of course, there's heavy drinking involved.
0: So I want to talk about all the things that make an Irish pub um, an Irish pub. Sure. What people need to know when they come into one. First, let's talk about the food. Mm-hmm. Right, because I've always liked the food at Rera. I think it's a very modern take on Irish liked. cuisine. I uh, love um, the food at Rira. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And it, it's odd because, again, we come in with certain preconceptions. And people just think they're going to see corned beef and sure. cabbage. They think they're going to see fish and chips. You guys do have an amazing fish and chips. Thank although you. I don't think the chips are always what people are expecting. Correct. Your chips are maybe a little soggier than people. No, mm-hmm. that soggy is a negative connotation. But yeah i don't know what other words they're fresh used, they're just out of the oil the plant, and
3: brings so... a little oil with them it's the, the, which the is exactly can uh, yeah. add a little bit of oil it, to the chips but i think that just exactly the way i like them yeah, don't exactly. don't be well, uh, concerned basically
2: in ireland it's made so it soaks up one the oil yeah. but really it's for the vinegar yeah they want it to soak it oh, up yeah, so yeah. you we'll want your the chip to be your fry to be softer more potato tasting and that's kind of, it's much more UK style. So it's, it cooks for about 8 to 10 minutes to fry. This is not a, you know, a crispy one-minute McDonald's fry. Nothing wrong with McDonald's fry. I grew up on them. But, yep. yep. Um, and a shamrock shake. And a shamrock shake. <laughs>
0: <Exactly>. <laughs> no, we do not do green beer, no. You do not do. Well, I was uh-huh. going to ask, how do you turn Guinness green, right? We do not do green beer. Oh.
3: It's perfect the color that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Green
0: beer is one of those things that you remember you drank the next day. Yeah, when you use the restroom and you're like, what the oh, (laughs) oh, exactly. Okay." (laughs) so the question before I forget. So how we approached
2: our menu was we wanted you the connotation of Irish pubs happens to be you're drinking and you're doing your thing and you're meeting your friends or whatever the congregation is for being at the pub and food happens to be secondary well in ireland that's not the case and so we wanted to bring that here so we wanted to make sure you you come in you're like oh, all right I'll, I'll get a burger and leave go wow that was really good or whatever the item was you're getting uh and that's kind of how we built our reputation on the food
0: okay um now let's talk about irish whiskey yes because you know well, we would talk about too. beer but i'm almost i almost feel like let's see your whiskey this let's, let's order some up it's 11 o'clock in the morning and yeah start drinking but um Irish whiskey, first of all, fun fact, the only other country that spells whiskey with an E in the United uh-huh. States. So if you folks are trying to figure out how to spell whiskey. And does that mean the plural is S-K-E-Y-S? Whiskies? <laughs> I-E-S. I-E-S, yes. it is. Okay, still. Um, okay, so Irish whiskey... Most people remember think of Bushmills, but you guys have a massive whiskey list here. It's not all Irish. I know you have over 100 whiskeys in general um, on your list. How many Irish whiskeys do you have?
2: Well, actually, we have 100 Irish whiskeys. 100 Irish whiskeys. And our list used to be about 500 pre-COVID. Wow. And then we've reduced it down to about 380. Uh, And Scotch is a derivative of Irish whiskey, so obviously that collection is pretty big. And then we have a decent bourbon collection.
0: Okay, and what's the price range on those, you know?
3: Uh, they start at around $9 and go up to
0: about 14 14- $100. $100. Okay, well, I won't be ordering that for the rest, for sure. Um, is, again, we're going to talk about the stereotypes. We talked about the food, and the stereotype, of course, being potatoes, by the way. Does every Irish food have to have potatoes in it?
2: No, well, we
0: have a lot of potatoes. I won't <laughs> we do lie have yet. a lot it of potatoes. It is our main
2: vegetable we bring in the building, no doubt. I think we bring in about 90 to 100 cases a week. Wow. Uh, so so much that we have to bring them in peeled. But uh, whiskey itself, go ahead, what's your question?
0: Well, I guess, what's the definitive Irish whiskey? Is it Bushmills? Because I know that's a lot of people's go-to. Bushmills would
3: be the, the first to receive the license to distill in mm-hmm. 1608. So, um, at the time, King James had a lot to do with what happened in Ireland. And um, King James preferred Bushmills whiskey because it was more similar to scotch, in his opinion. So, they were granted the first license to distill in 1608. However everyone at that time was distilling whiskey and a lot of them were distilling great whiskeys yeah um jameson uh received their license to distill much later um, however, they have a, a huge line these days of wonderful products. We have Powers Irish Whiskey. I which, guess
0: I should have said Jameson is the definitive well, Irish Whiskey, Well, my friends yeah. order Bushmills. So yeah, yeah. Whiskey in the US. There, there yeah. are yeah.
3: several brands that are definitive. You ask some people, and they were—they are 100% Tullamore Dew fans. They won't stray away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, Powers is one of the most popular Irish whiskies from, like, say, my age group, our parents would have drank Powers if they were from Ireland. That I love Powers. Powers Irish Whiskey is a fantastic Irish whiskey. It's um, the first whiskey ever used in an Irish coffee. And that, why, that is why we use uh, Powers Irish Whiskey for our recipe in our Irish coffee. If you just ask for an Irish coffee, you're going to get the Foynes Irish coffee, mm-hmm. which is the Powers Irish Whiskey recipe.
1: Um, yes, go ahead. As someone who is sort of illiterate on Irish whiskey, and and I heard somebody say words that I think will probably be fighting words in Scotland. That Scotch is derivative of Irish. They would probably uh, say the same thing. If you put the two together, what am I going to taste? in one that I won't taste in the other. Is there an ingredient in Irish whiskey that is unique? There is a method, yes.
3: Um, So it's predominantly a method, and some people could say it is an ingredient. But in Scotland, um, they tend to... Um, peat their Irish whiskey. Yeah. So, and when they're drying the barley, after the barley has been collected off the in floor... In Scotland, when they peat their Irish whiskey. Yeah. They, 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 take, peat, they, they take peat smoke, and yeah. they, to dry their barley, they use the peat smoke in big ovens. It The smoke rises, it dries the barley, and stops the, the growing process for the yeah. barley. And those... Uh, those congeners, those smoke flavors, attach themselves to that barley at that time. Yeah. So when that barley is then used to make the beer that becomes the whiskey, uh, those flavors are already in the whiskey. Right.
2: And if that is not eject. done in Ireland, correct? Well, it is to a certain degree. There yeah. was only one for years whiskey that was peated, and it was Connemara. Okay. They did it because yeah.
3: the region of Connemara is a peat. Correct. Bed region, it's protected. When they joined the EU, it's very protected now as a mm-hmm. landmark. But uh, the Irish whiskey companies and the Irish government decided, well, we'll let the peat for this product pass because it actually speaks to a, gen- a region of our country, which is the Connemara region, and we want that region to be well spoken for. Mm-hmm. And, and because it is a peat bed region, they did peat the Connemara whiskey, which we do carry the 12 year connemara whiskey here um there is another product that's come out recently in the last five years called silky and they mm. they are peated whiskeys as well from ireland
0: i think that lack of the peat is why i do enjoy irish whiskeys more than i enjoy scott i'm not a scotch i'm drinker, the
3: same you know, yeah it's
0: a general rule yeah.
3: i um, i do like to dabble in them but the the ones i like the most are the less peaty mm. yeah i mean i have yeah. a
0: couple dalmores at home but i, I tend yeah. to i mean lately i've been more on an american whiskey kick but um for a while Japanese whiskeys, quality oh. Japanese whiskeys. And honestly, when I have a good Irish whiskey, I usually find more similarities to some of the Japanese whiskeys that yeah. I like mm-hmm. than I do to certainly more than the Scotch and more to, than American bourbons yes. as well. So, um, but... You know, they all get you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> they do the job <laughs> if you do it correctly. If you exactly. do them right, yes. Um, although that's been a long time for me. Um, let's talk about beer then and stereotypes. Now, of course, Guinness, the quintessential mm-hmm. Irish beer. I once worked at a Guinness rock concert called the Guinness Flaw. Oh, in wow. New York City on Randall's Island, and we set a world record for the most Guinness set no way. in one day. Really, in awesome. two days in a row, we did. It was insane. It was the hardest work I ever did. Made a lot of tips. <laughs> that's, on that. That's yeah. what he got. To, that's he got um, to radio. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah. Like one day, I was in the um, in the refrigerator truck, right? Because we had these giant beer tents, and they must have had. I, I'm gonna guess. 50 taps per tent, maybe 75. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And then the tr- huge the refrigerator trucks in the back just had kegs mm. and they had you know lines, two kegs to a line Fifties plus taps, and we all had, and it was about a hundred degree day in New York City. It was hot as hell, and we all had to take a half hour shift in the refrigerator truck. Where as soon as a keg would pop, we had to pop it off, throw the keg out of the truck, you know, put another keg that was sitting there in there. Right, and we were literally popping a keg like every sixty seconds. Right, so that was like hard work, freezing your ass off. We We were sweaty from (laughs) being outside all day. It was was a nightmare. I can imagine. Guinness yeah I've got mixed memories of Guinness but my question other than just sharing my horror stories of working as a bartender is is it the fact that Guinness is just such a quintessentially Irish company that it's associated with it or is stout beer a quintessentially Irish Irish style of beer
2: it'd be both so stout is quintessentially an Irish beer and then Arthur Guinness started it Two hundred and fifty years ago, probably the first one, especially with the nitro. And it when it first started, it wasn't on nitro; it was a just a CO two, you know, bore. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they went to the nitro, and that's when it just took off and blew up.
0: And so people understand when you when you tap a Guinness keg, you're using nitrogen instead of CO two. Correct. That's what gets that crazy Guinness head. Well, it's a head. but it's that more nitrogen with than the... CO two. Yes. Mm-hmm. So
1: it's
0: a combination. Of yes. Oh,
1: okay. What about nomenclature? I've had more than one Guinness rep over the years say it's Guinness. It's not beer. Don't use the B word. That's uh, true. It yeah. depends on who you talk to. Guinness, pint,
3: a plain, stout, porter. A lot of different yeah. names are called, but beer is usually not the one that I hear. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: yeah. When, you're, when you're back in Ireland, it'll say, give me a pint. And that means Guinness. give me a Guinness. Yeah. 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 Well,
1: if I go out here, is Sue still a bartender here? Oh, is she yes. is. Yeah, I don't want to piss off Sue no. by saying a beer, oh, I'll have a Guinness. I would, I would be hurt. <laughs> Maybe that's Susan not so from idea. Dundalk. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's a firecracker.
0: So... Now again, I'm flashing back to my very first time on that truck and and mm-hmm. working in the beers mm-hmm. for these. And that was an amazing experience because we all got out there. We took the bus out to Randall's Island, and the Guinness reps came out, and they're all very serious. Oh yeah, Guinness reps are very serious, <laughs> very about, serious. about their beer. They're always very. They got very their serious. measuring devices. They're Guinness, and not their beers.
3: Just, yeah. <laughs> clean cut and nice. Yeah.
0: They gave us this long speech, and I've got to say there are no there's 60,000 people on this island at a concert. There's two beer tents, right? Like one on one side, one so on the other. So it's busy, and so it's busy. <laughs> Fuck, right and these people drink it's a rock concert okay in new york city with irish bands yes they drink and we got this speech about people that are just going to have to wait you will have to pour the pint and then you set it Love down it. And we're yeah. like yeah fuck that we're grabbing paper cups we left the tabs rolling the whole time we're just shoving yeah. cups under them handing them to people you know taking their money i mean it was insane there was a line 30 people deep like for all oh, 50 yeah. of these taps. So, we didn't give a shit about their rules. Okay? These were <laughs> rock concerts, CBGB <laughs> rules, okay? I was I CB's about the partner. sales reps love that part the most. <laughs> they you know what I think they love counting their money at yeah, the end yeah. of the night exactly. quite a bit, but um, but yes, they were very serious that every you have to wait for a Guinness. Everyone mm-hmm. should expect to wait. Of course, that's been in ad campaigns. I have done the Guinness pouring competitions that I have screwed up and you have shown me yeah. you know, how long to time the wait and all of that stuff. Do you know stuff. what
2: the time of the wait is? 91
3: seconds See, 119, and
2: a half. 119 and a half.
3: Okay. So the 91 seconds is about the wait after you've poured the first section. It'll wait for about 91 mm-hmm. seconds. Mm-hmm. And then the entire from start to finish from it's when you grab the glass to, to finish product handing out off to a customer, it's 119 and a half seconds. Yeah. The key is I actually time to myself start in one before of those they call for it. <laughs> yeah. If they haven't ordered yet, you've you're already behind. So you start before they call for it. That way, when you have a day like St. Patrick's Day or you have an event like you're talking about, before the gates even open, I would have probably started, started pouring them. Started yeah. pouring <laughs> my first 150, 250 Guinness. Get them st- started, settled. Uh, it's all about the the look of the product. You know they they're very very good at their marketing, and they're very um, strong-minded about what the product looks like. The presentation of the product is key. Yeah. And it brings. They feel it brings more people to the table when they see a perfect some, pint. A perfect pint. A perfect pint every time. If if 99 out of 100 people say I got a perfect pint, doesn't matter what part of the world they were in then that's 99 out of 100 yeah. happy customers and no bishop head bishop. No, no
2: fish bishop. eyes yeah. bishop head is past or going below the harp on the glass right and fish eyes would be little bubbles that you
3: get into it
0: okay yep yeah. well, what about trying to make the shamrock on top Oh, that
3: takes a little time to learn, but <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not actually a necessary part of it. It's never been a, a part of the product that Guinness has sponsored. And actually, sponsored. if you outside
2: of Ireland, you kind of really won't get it, unless yeah. it's a real tourist town. Yeah,
1: I want to drink the damn thing. I want to sell you this now. It's, I don't have time I, I, to do this art yeah. crap. I mean, it
0: does <laughs> taste good to drink the beer through the proper head. I mean, yes. like there's oh, yeah. certainly
1: it's more than
0: just yeah. appearance. The head and I will should give be it proud that. of the mm-hmm. rim.
3: The, the head yeah. should just stand over proud. the top of the glass. Right. It's called proud of the rim. It's, it just sits just above the glass, and you see, and it doesn't spill. You can turn it because the head's so strong. Mm-hmm. You can turn the glass, tilt it, and it will just the head will rock up, and it'll be above the glass, and it mm-hmm. won't spill over.
2: And you, you know you're going a great pint too as you're drinking it and you still get the white on the side even halfway yeah. down mm-hmm. that's a good fresh
1: pint yes
0: so i'm assuming you guys always pour a perfect pint here at rerun yeah, that is People our goal can just 100%. expect to wait if they need to right? yes i, I
1: believe yes. we'll have to test drive that when it, we're done here we may yeah. oh um, yeah. yeah
0: is there a um, a beer <laughs> i can order if i'm in a hurry here Oh, yeah. <laughs> what should I order <laughs> in <Irish laughs> uh, We have Magner's pear in the bottle, <laughs>
3: probably the quickest one.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, Magner's on tap. So uh, those wait, are ciders.
3: Harp, Harp Irish Lager, Smittix Irish Ale. They both pour very quickly and um, less uh, work to the, uh, to the product. Uh, Magner's Irish Cider. Is also on draft. O'Hara's. O'Hara's Irish Red. Yes. And we we, have a stout on tap. We have an O'Hara's Irish Stout, which is also poured similar to Guinness. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a two-part pour, which is what we call that process to get that perfect pint of Guinness. Um, Kilkenny is also poured that Mm -hmm. way. But all of those other Irish products we mentioned will come out quite fast.
2: Cream ales are great, but Uh, they tend to be a flat uh, taste to it, but they're really good.
3: Milder milder flavor for an ale.
0: Grew up drinking Jenny Cream. Very similar. Very similar. That's very New York I, drink. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. at, outside of Philly. They use a New England of it, yeah. but yeah. Um, okay. So we've covered the beers. We've covered the whiskeys. We've covered the food. Let's talk about the music. What's the music sure. going to be like here? Well, I was crossing my fingers because this year,
2: obviously, we had to get visas in for our bands. So we fly in two of our bands direct from Ireland, and because the embassies were closed, we were sweating it. So I actually didn't know. Apart from my PR company, they've even had bands till about three <laughs> weeks ago. So I was nervous. But we have our Black Donleys. They used to be – they're a house band here in yep. Las Vegas. And they used to be the house band for Temple Bar in Ireland. Uh, so very talented. And then we're bringing over the Crooked Jacks. And they're fairly famous in Ireland. And they're now the band—the house band for uh, Temple Bar. Wow, cool. And Atch Hill Crossing, uh, which is another one we're flying over. So the music will be – very much like temple bar it's going to be party music and you're going to be there it won't be so depressing as maybe <laughs>
3: talking about in a no no chopping
0: off and yeah. chopping off the yeah. children's yeah. heads now, is,
2: is that music out there absolutely yeah. but we'll keep that day very
0: festive at my at the plow festival where i worked i have to say i worked there two days i you know i like we Pretty much did whatever we felt like at that point. It was a (laughs) free for all. So you could sneak away and watch the bands. I saw Sinead O'Connor. Oh, wow. I saw uh, Van Morrison at that show. And then in a tiny little tent drunk and probably high as a kite off his ass, I saw Shane McGowan perform. Wow. Was, um, oh, quite a That's show, a man. I mean, that was the most punk yeah. rock and thing I've guess, ever he seen. Was, he
2: was sober, right?
0: No, <laughs> yeah. no. I mean, I used to ten bar of at CBGB's where I had to pull junkies off of the floor of the restroom <laughs> oh, yeah. with needles in their arms. And he looked like he would have fit in at that place yeah. more than yeah. he did at let this concert. tell you something. If talent, you though. had
2: that lineup now, you could sell those tickets for big money. Yeah, yeah. huge. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was Van it was,
3: Morrison actually dined, uh, regularly at our pub in Portland, Maine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, when I first worked there, we opened in 2001 there and I was there in about, it was either, I think it was April of 2001 and I was waiting tables. Uh, to, I picked up a shift waiting tables in our upstairs dining room there and, um, uh, my section was right. He didn't sit in my section, but he sat right, and I was pretty impressed because I'm a huge fan of yeah. Van Morrison. And he was dining with his agent, uh, having a nice lunch, and they were tra- talking. And it was it was it was fun.
0: He has an amazing voice. Oh man, yeah. just, brilliant. I may have seen the cranberries at that show too. I can't Jeez. remember, but I sure. think I probably was pouring beer during the cranberries. Then I don't think <laughs> I ducked away to see the cranberries like I did for those other acts. Um Let's talk about what you guys have going on here all year round. I know, again, things have changed a lot. I feel like a lot of these interviews, I'm just trying to catch back up after sure. after COVID, right? Because yeah. a lot has changed. So forgive me if I'm out of touch. That's why we're here. Do you still do tea service
2: here? That's the only thing we have not re... Everything is basically back to what it was pre-COVID for the most part, with a few okay. tweaks here and there. But tea has not come back yet. Okay. Uh, we're hoping to launch it for Mother's Day and kind of get that momentum back in.
0: Yeah, I, I always enjoyed your tea service, and I liked being able to—you would spike the tea. Yeah? Days. I don't know if you just did that for me or if you did that for everybody. But we tested it on you, and from that, we started a gin tea. Ah, gin, yeah. I do remember the gin tea, yes. And by the way, if you ever want a good um, boozy tea service, Where? check out uh, the Shag Room in the New Virgin Hotel. Oh, okay. They do it on the weekend. I heard about the Shag it. Room. It's really real, real yeah. real cool i dig that uh anything else that we need to know here uh, new new menu items new uh, events new well, sports are uh, you know we
3: sports are a big part of like you said the horse racing mm-hmm. earlier uh sports are a big part of an irish pub football um football for soccer if you i would. was uh, gonna
0: say do you like do you open up at four in the morning to watch not Premier later. league not or any of that time, shit? No. i don't know i'm throwing out words since that the pandemic I, <laughs> <didn't make advertised. laughs> I tell you what we did though we yeah used to. oh i, used to. I, used to. I would
1: yeah. come back for that big yeah. nice irish breakfast yep
2: yeah. And we're kind of, you know what, it's funny not to keep talking about it, but since the pandemic kind of has released and we see more English and Irish, mm-hmm. uh, the I'm kind of entertaining the idea that we might need to start opening earlier again when these games are on.
3: The big ones. Right. You yeah, know, yeah, the when yeah. like You'll be here Liverpool when you go to leave after
2: this podcast. Liverpool will be on, and that front pub, you, if an American accent, will actually be the minority yeah. in the building. Yeah. Well, yeah.
3: Saturday, the Six Nations Rugby Tournament, England will play <laughs> Ireland. 845.
0: We'll, we'll have that on. <laughs> oh, right here,
3: man. And it will be a very hopping pub yeah. at that moment.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's gonna, gotta, I mean, not be, for me, because I barely, I mean, you know, you see me at a yeah, night's yeah. game, but you ain't going to see me at no, no other sporting no. event. Yeah. So that's about it. Uh, um, okay, so we talked about that. Oh, we were talking about the Perfect Pour. Do you still do the Guinness School next door? Like, there used to be the Guinness Experience right next door here, where people could go and take lessons in how to...
2: It's set up. We're ready to go and launch it again, since, obviously, all restrictions in Nevada are gone, but... We're waiting for some stuff from Ireland to be delivered. And with the distribution issues that's happening, I need to get some uh, this paperwork saying that you've been certified and things Literature, of that nature. Yeah, okay. yeah and I, I'm waiting for that to come over.
0: But so if people are here in a month or two and they're wandering by, maybe they could check it's a in possibility. if they want to yes, learn absolutely. how to pour Ab- a perfect pipe? Absolutely. Yeah. Get your picture taken.
2: We give you all this, yeah. you know, garb. It's all the good stuff
0: okay well gentlemen men i want to thank you both so much for your time it's oh, always I'll great to tap your brains on all things <laughs> irish so thanks so much we've got the news coming up next this is food and Loathing. Bobby Flay was in town this week for the opening of a new Bobby's Burgers location in Paris, Las Vegas. I went over there to chat with him at the opening. But before we get into what he told me, it's worth noting that Paris has been quietly cobbling together
1: a pretty interesting restaurant and chef collection. I don't know if you've been over there recently. I have not, but I always have mixed feelings about that place. I I can never get a break at the tables. I know that. <laughs> well, <laughs> There's damn lots. Them. And, you know, the the sometimes it seems like the 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 faux Paris gestalt or whatever is starting to fade and other times it feels like you know it's 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 a good vibe I'm sorry that they dropped their sort of coffee shop buffet thing that actually had a couple of parisian inspired breakfast items on it but I'm glad that they're upgrading things. The the Vanderpump room is there. The Martha Stewart thing is coming.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they've long been home to some great restaurants. Let's get that clear. Yeah, this yeah. is not new. I mean, Jean Jo's been up in the Eiffel Tower restaurant for that real throwback classic French, one of the most romantic places. Mon Ami B, the yeah. best place for people watching from that patio in Las Vegas, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I love Beer Park upstairs. Uh, I think that's a really fun place with a great view for if you want to be casual. And, um, of course, Gordon Ramsay's Steak, which, in my opinion, the most foodie-centered of all of Chef Ramsay's Vegas restaurants. So I'm. let's not pretend that it is new that they're getting serious about food, no. but it is taking a turn. And like you've said, um, you mentioned a few. Also, Nobu, is coming yeah right so that's awesome M- martha stewart concept um vanderpump you just mentioned i i gotta be honest
1: i don't get the vanderpump thing oh but boy you sure see the lines out the door snaking into the casino there, right outside for inside forum Shopping. oh yeah it's always a massive lift yeah. and I-, I mean i know they're
0: very pretty restaurants um, I'm just so removed from the reality TV world and the mindset Same of here. people who watch reality TV that I just don't get it. I don't know if they're like Kardashians once removed or what the fuck their deal is. I know there are lots of flowers and tiny dogs, um, <laughs> that. I, I've had good food and cocktails when I've been in them, but the food's usually been from a, um, you know, kind of past hors d'oeuvres from the catering thing at the one in Caesar. So I don't know. I just have a big cartoon question mark over my head when I hear the name Vanderpump. Uh, it's just cause I'm old and out of touch. Nothing negative about them. I just don't know what they're going on. But yeah, they're, they're going into the Paris. I'm
1: really curious about the whole Martha Stewart thing. It was supposed to be with Snoop Dogg, and then it's not. Mm-hmm. Is it all going to be Martha, who's really rehabbed her image from her hardcore prison days? I don't know. I think that ima- that prison gave her credit. Yes, exactly. That's where Snoop
0: came along. Yeah, well, I'll never forget seeing Martha and, um, and Old Dirty Bastard backstage in <laughs> <an> MTV Awards <laughs> together one year. He just had a big-ass bag of potato chips that he was eaten up there on the on the um thing and she was sitting there chatting with him just looking at him like what is wrong with this guy (laughs) Um, (laughs) anyway but back to Bobby Flay he has a new burger spot at Paris it opened this past week I went in I had a great conversation with him about all things Bobby Flay so chef it's good to see you again another restaurant opening last time was the opening of Amalfi this is a bit more casual a bit more approachable tell people about Bobby's burgers so Bobby's burgers is
4: you know what I like to say is the uh the best in burgers, fries, and shakes, and of course a fried chicken sandwich, and we're serving breakfast. You know, like you know, in, in Vegas, you have to, you know, you have to be sort of, you know, full cycle, and because um, this town is seriously twenty-four hours a day for sure. Um, and uh, you know, it's um, you know, it's really been very successful at Caesars and, and Harrah's, and so. You know, because Paris is in the is, is in the Caesar's pa- Palace family of, of hotels and casinos, they asked if I would be part of this new. Um, it's like a, it's like the new like Parisian street in the Paris Hotel of all these new restaurants. I mean, Martha Stewart's opening a restaurant here. Nobu is going to be next door to us. Um, it's really very exciting.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is kind of wild to see how Paris is taking off as a restaurant destination. It must be fun to be part of that.
4: You know what? Um, the Carano family who bought Caesar's Palace. Have amazing palates, and they are, they are so into good food. Which for somebody like me, who's been part of this family for a long time, is a, is great. And so Anthony Carano, who is uh you know, is the is the point person, and the person I get to talk to uh, about you know different projects. You know, he and I have, you know, we see eye to eye when it comes to you know good food, and you know they they want to make they want to make their properties better and better. And of course, you know, food and beverage is a big part of that.
0: So could you explain, a lot of us knew Bobby's Burger Palace as a chain, national, and then this opened. So is Bobby's Burger Palace gone, or are there there's still locations for that? And how are the two different?
4: Well, Bobby's Burger Palace was 15 years ago. We started 15 years ago, and over the pandemic, uh, you know, I got as thoughtful as everybody else did, because we were sitting around trying to figure out what to do with our lives. And... Um, And one of the things that occurred to me was like, oh, wait a second, Uh, Bobby's Burger Palace is 13 years old, might be time to take a fresh approach. And so that's what we did. And, uh, you know, rebranded it, changed the name. We got rid of the word Palace because Bobby's Burgers is what everybody called it anyway. So I was just like, why not? Just simplify it a little bit more. Uh, uh, Changed the menu a tiny bit, uh, made the menu a little more focused to, you know, make sure we could give people exactly what they wanted, you know, in terms of burgers, fries and shakes. You know, still kept a lot of the signature things that have been very successful about Bobby's burgers, but just gave it an update.
0: Yeah, the first thing I looked for when I saw the press release about the new chain was are you still doing the crunch burgers? Yes, right? Sure. And you are. So tell people about that. Yeah,
4: so crunchifying our burgers, et cetera, are... Is really one of the uh, it's it's sort of the classic mainstays and the foundations of Bobby's Burgers. Basically, I started putting uh, potato chips on burgers. We do we did it for free. It was just like you want to if you want a crunch burger, you want to crunch your fire burger. You know you can you can do it and we'll do it for free. And the idea is that you know um, the quintessential burger, in my opinion, needs a little contrast of texture, and those thin crisp potato chips just does does the trick. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really been part of what we're doing,
0: and we're continuing to do that. Cool. Now, I know we're here to talk about the burgers, but I have to ask, how are you feeling with the reaction to Amalfi? Because I'm loving the restaurant. Well, thank you. You've been um, such a
4: great supporter always, and uh, it was nice to see you we were there on the first night. Amalfi is, is uh, it's, knock on wood, it's been a runaway hit. Um, I love the design. You know, we brought in a new designer named uh, Olivia Jane to, to design it. She was working with the Rockwell Group for a long time, so she had really great pedigree. And she just, she created just a, a spectacular place to house my Amalfi Coast cuisine. And I, I'm a, I've been obsessed with Italy for decades, and this is my first Italian restaurant. So um, it's, it's just been, and, and of course, you know, everybody at Caesars has been incredibly supportive. And um, it's been great. I mean, I have to say, like, I have nothing but, um, you know, I, I, it's, I'm just
0: thrilled about the whole thing. And I would get in trouble with all my listeners if I didn't ask. Um, you gave us all a little scare that you weren't going to be on TV, but now you're back on TV. So explain. You're still going to be around. We're still going to be able to tune in and watch Beat Bobby Flay, right?
4: Al, just for the record, I didn't leak those that story. That, that came from some unknown source. Let's put it that way. Listen, it was just one of those, listen, you know, it, it's it's public knowledge at this point, but you know, it's like anything else. It's like uh, it's like a uh, an athlete with a team whose contract is up. It's called negotiations. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. And you know, negotiations sometimes go well and easy, and sometimes there's a little uh, you know it just a little. It takes a little bit longer. And basically, that's all it was. Food Network has been my family for twenty seven years. And uh, I was confident that we would work it out. It just, you know, it just took a couple of weeks longer. <laughs> That's all. So yeah, I'm, it's all good.
0: Okay. Just want to make sure we're still going to be seeing you on Food Network. No, no, man. I, yes. oh no, no. I'm
4: actually, um, I'm actually leaving. I'm starting on Monday. I'm shooting um, like two months straight of, uh, you know, I'm shooting forty more beat Bobby Flays. I have a new show coming out that I can't quite announce yet, and maybe, maybe another one after that. So, um, the one thing I promised when I signed my contract to. Uh, actually, Variety broke it. And I said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to I'm be pitching things that you
0: haven't seen on food TV before. So I'm really excited about the next handful of years. Cool. Well, I look forward to that. In the meantime, tips for when you come to Bobby's Burgers. What should people have if they want the one signature item that Bobby Flay eats? Well, if, Right, exactly. So when I, when I eat here,
4: I have a bacon crunch burger um, <clears throat> and I have a pistachio shake. The pistachio shake is sort of the cult favorite people that come to Bobby's Burgers know, know that the pistachio shake is like you know it's kind of like the insider's uh, knowledge and then <clears throat> I have potatoes chips on my burger so instead of fries I usually get the buttermilk
0: onion rings and then I have a fried chicken sandwich on the side <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> And I, I don't know, man. You you must work out a lot because if I ate half of that, I'd be bigger than I am right now. Oh, man. I'm in the gym twice a day. <laughs> Believe me, it's not, it's not easy. Okay, so it's always great speaking to Bobby, and I love getting together with him. And yeah, it's it's cool. And I now I'm kind of actually hungry for both burgers and for a us So, let's see. <laughs> in other news, our friends at Eater are reporting that Henderson's Cafe Lola is coming to the Forum Shops this summer. Whoa. Um, co-owners Alexandra Lourdes and Lynn Jerome tell Eaters Maddie. Schweitzer Lame that the space and my apologies if I mangled that name that the space will be designed in a similar vein to the other two locations presumably when they say other two I'm guessing they're talking about St. Honory, the, the donut shop that I believe they also own on uh. the other side of town um so lots of pinks florals velvet um but they're also bringing in new elements according to again this Cedar article um a walk-up window where guests can get frosé to go Patio seating and secret photo room. New locations, um, we'll have the cafes popular, yeah. mother-daughter tea program, family-friendly, costumes, expensive
1: kids menu, all the forum shop. And uh, speaking of Eater, we have uh, learned that uh, the longtime editor of Eater, Susan Stapleton, uh, is leaving that point uh, post. And the uh, parent company has posted on its website uh, an, a job full-time, God, full-time, and then some job for to, to be the executive editor of Eater Vegas. Yeah, that's a crazy job. Um, I, look, I'll miss
0: Susan. You know. I like Susan. I always liked when I saw her out at events. Um, and I, I will go on the record and say that. You know, she's, she's a good person. She did a lot of work. Um, look, I know some people may have problems. I, I got no time with you say, oh, she didn't do this story right. She didn't do yeah. that story right. Like, yeah, we all, we all have our problems. I have stories that I've gotten wrong or whatever. So I'm not going to get into that. I just think a bigger issue that we really need to talk about is the lack of full-time food journalists in Las Vegas. Yeah. It is going downhill. There there was a time when there were several of us that did it full-time, and another dozen that did it part-time. We would all get together, talk, and bounce ideas off of each other. That I'm going back 10, 15 years. These days, that it's just few and yeah. far between. That eater's job is a beast
1: of a job. Um, Yeah, I would submit that uh, the the, the Eater Parent Company, folks, you should listen to us here, that job needs, that post needs a couple, if not three, full-time people because covering the food scene in Vegas is every bit as busy as L.A. and Chicago and New York. Yeah, it, it, it's
0: rough, man. And I'll tell you, when they were looking prior to it, Susan being there, somebody had reached out to me and contacted, and I looked at, into what was into it. They weren't offering me the job they get that clear. They reached out to everybody. And I was just too much for the, the time and the money, and they just didn't add up for me to do that. So yeah. I hope they find somebody good and who's dedicated that can do that. Um, also, speaking of, of full-time, though, food writers, Greg Thilmot taken over at the RJ. So I want to send a shout-out to him. He'll be doing the food report. Reporting over there, Greg's a great guy, a really smart guy. Um, and now that Heidi is no longer there, and of course I'm no longer there, um, I'm excited to see what Greg writes for the Review Journal. Yeah. And that's a good reminder that you should all get a Review Journal subscription. Support local journalism; it matters. Indeed. Um where else did I go oh a quick note as I just pulled this off social media and I've been going back and forth our friend Louis DeSantis whom we all know from District 1 and the sadly short-lived Mordeo among other places um, he apparently has a new Japanese sandwich spot, sandwich spot with Chef Kai, Yu, Kai Vu it's called Gyu Plus G-Y-U with a plus mark but it is spelled but it's pronounced plus um, the post in which he tagged me also tagged Molly's Tavern so I've been trying to figure out what going on. He's been texting me as we've been recording today. But it's basically in a Mollies tavern location. You can dine in or eat out. It is on Eastern Avenue in the Silverado Ranch area. Pick up delivery. They'd apparently started this GU Plus concept um, during the pandemic more as a ghost kitchen type of thing out of another location this is being built as their second location they're sharing it with an Italian Argentinian concept called Italiano and I'm just looking at what else I mean literally there's fresh off of my um, text plus Sando Bowls and more relocated at 9821 Southeastern Avenue delivery partners are Uber Eats DoorDash and Grubhub Pickup dine-in located inside Molly's Tavern Japanese inspired Sando's Um, yeah, Cloud Kitchen concept. So uh, I'm going to get Lewis on. If this hadn't just popped up in my phone minutes before we went to work, (laughs) I would have more information. So hopefully we'll get him on next week and we'll have some more info on that. Um, Other things. Four new spots coming to Famous Foods in Resorts World, which is their Hawker Stand-influenced food court. There will be a ramen spot, a burger spot, a fuss stall, and then a place called... Fuhu Cha Chan Teng, which translates to tea restaurant, I am told by Ooh. the press release. I am not translating that. It's described as a sit-down, full-service restaurant offering diverse menu options, including dim sum, kanji rice, noodle, and soup options. I'm Un-
1: wondering where they would put a full-service sit-down restaurant around that space.
0: Yeah, I'm a little confused. Yeah, well, Four
1: are coming. I don't recall any blank spots. That, uh, you know, in the uh, equilibrium of uh, the marketplace, that means somebody is leaving and at least one of those places is the uh, one of our favorites there, one of our favorite people, Moz Bar by James Tree. Temporarily closed, as it says here on uh, on Google, and a couple of other spots say it has closed. It I love those things, and you can still get the chicken parm at uh, Esther's Kitchen, but it always felt like a bit of an outlier in this massive Asian-centric thing. There's these little Italian sandwiches, and I think there was another spot uh, that somebody else had. Maybe it was... a uh, Marcus Samuelson's chicken, well, Marcus, which is good, but it always felt like it's not uh, part of that environment.
0: I was okay. First of all, as far as James leaving there, that would suck. And I, yeah. I, I hate to see him leave there, but there are plenty of places that those of us who are not tourists can eat James' yeah. trees. James foods. will be so fine. James will be fine, and we will get <laughs> his food. So if that is, in fact, true. Sad for the tourists, but just a reason you guys need to go to his other restaurants. Um, as far as Marcus, I was in there just maybe a couple months ago with Marcus, Samuel, Chef Marcus, and yeah. we were talking about him bringing the um, Impossible Chicken Nuggets. Yeah, I saw it on the stand. menu the last time I was there. Yeah, um, he seemed to be going strong and excited right. about promoting it, so I, I believe he is still in there. I'm very happy. So that's not. I do not wish want anything I negative wish nothing on that. Bad on I mean, anybody there. Yeah. Um, but look, it's it's a food court um, yeah. at the end of the day, and the things that work are going to stay. The things that don't work, I guess, are going to go away. Um, I still think it's a pretty cool food court concept. I love that. If you're, if you're
1: going courts. to Resorts World for the first time, that is where you should eat for the first time because you will not have the weights. The, your bill will be a little... Better managed, and uh, you have all this variety. You get a little something from here, a little something from there, and order it all at the same place on their kiosk, and then go pick it up. Yeah, so it's definitely it's a cool concept,
0: and I think things are going to change, and there's it's going to be in flux. Everything with Resort World is, is a work in progress. Um, you know, it's their newest resort, and um, you know I think that this is all just part of the natural growing, shaking out process. So I'm excited to see what works and what doesn't. Um, I believe that's about it for this week. I should note Piero's is celebrating its 40th anniversary next week. I'm hoping to attend that party, so I'll hopefully have more on that next time we chat. In the meantime, thanks to
1: Scott Sherman and to Wally Lang for joining us this week and to Bobby Flay for chatting with me. And please tell a friend about Food and Loathing and spread the word on social media. Find everything you need to know about that at theneonmohawk.com. Reach us directly by email. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it, download that Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. Fine dining, takeout, neighborhood joints, great views, video poker, whatever you need, you will find it at the Neon Feast.
0: With producer Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.